0: Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brooke. Learn from extraordinary leaders and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it truly takes to become a network marketing hero. On this week's episode...
1: The things you think plus the things you do create your reality. Number one, because it is that daily thought process that we think about, right? That really feeds what we do. So it's easy to procrastinate. It's easy
0: to get distracted. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools at blissbusiness.com. Good evening, everybody. Richard Brooke, This is
2: yet another Bliss Business Hero call. She's been with doTERRA six years. I think you're going to be fascinated with not only what she's built, but the challenges under which she's built it. We'll get to her story uh, in just a minute. Uh, Every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, we seek out – and interview somebody that has built at least a four year career in what we consider to be an honorable long term opportunity marketing valuable products and somebody that has built their business in an ethical manner in the spirit of bliss business I like to tell people uh, to start that Uh, We interview on these Hero Calls exceptional people, and we do not mean to infer just because somebody built a team in four years of 10 or 20 or 50 or 100,000 people that you will too. The purpose of these calls is to elevate your belief that you can do whatever you want to do. And maybe for those of you that's on the on the call, what you want to do is make an extra $500 or $1,000 a month, and I am just of the opinion, if you can surround yourself with people that have built extraordinary businesses, then you can learn to believe in whatever you need to believe in to accomplish your goals. Obviously, most people in network marketing do not do what Sharon did and the other heroes did. As I get into the interview and we flesh out her story, one of the things that we focus on on these hero calls uh, are the numbers, because it is the numbers that tend to separate the people that build an extraordinary business from the people that struggle. And of course, what does it take to create the numbers? It takes motivation. It takes heart. It takes work ethic. It takes resiliency. It takes an extraordinary positive attitude. So it's not a numbers game in the sense of just throwing numbers up, but it is a numbers game in terms of getting your business into momentum, getting your business to where you've got, you know, at least one of the things we like to focus on in teaching people how to do this is, you know, there's nothing more important than getting your first 40, 50, 60 active business builders on your team, that's probably the most challenging part of our business is just to get a small team that you can lead and you can support and a small team that can inspire you. That's probably harder than going from 60 to 600. And one of the magical things that happens when you get like a, a team of 50 or 60 business builders around you, people that not all of them that you have enrolled, maybe you've only enrolled, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 of them, but they've enrolled some people and now you've got a small team. And the magic of having a small team is that no matter how capable and on fire you are about building your business, when you've got a team of 50 or 60 business builders, you're going to have one or two or three or six people on your team that are as maybe even more capable than you are. And that's when this business really gets fun, when you get to surround yourself with people that they're inspiring you. They're driving you. You're not the only one driving the bus. You've got partners. You've got um, colleagues. You've got running buddies. Uh, the the business just takes on a whole new life, so w- what I'd like to encourage all of you to do is, although we are going to talk about some big accomplishments tonight, the one you need to focus on if you're not there yet uh, is just get your own small team rolling, and you don't have to get them all. You know, if you've got four business builders, and they've got four business builders, and They've got four business builders, so you'd have 80 people on your team, and you can all do that, and we're going to hear from Sharon McDonald tonight to inspire you how you might do that. So, Sharon, welcome to the Hero Call. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. So, Sharon, you have a a great story about (laughs) breaking your foot and you know, how all of that led into being introduced to network marketing. So how I like to start for people is I I always think it's really important to keep reminding the audience how network marketing works, how we all get introduced to our opportunity by someone. Probably we know them. Maybe we don't know them. But it's just somebody that had the courage to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Would you take a look? And it's always fascinates me how many of us almost always tell whoever asked us to take a look. No, no, no. I'm not interested. That's not for me. I'm far too busy to do anything like that. And then, you know, six years later, we got 10, 15, 20,000 people on our team. And so tell us your story. Who are you? I know you've got a nice family. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your family, where you live, and then we're going to dive into who exactly introduced you to doTERRA and how did they do it?
1: Okay, perfect. Perfect. So, I am the mother of five beautiful children aged almost 20 down to eight years old. I have four boys and one girl. My daughter is my oldest. And when, uh, and we just, we traveled North America for 10 months this last year and got to New England and just felt super impressed that we needed to stay out here. And, um, so we, we went through all the places in New England we could go, and the only two states in the nation we hadn't visited were, in the United States, were um, Kentucky and Vermont. So long story short, we ended up in Vermont. So we just relocated in mid-January to Stowe, Vermont, where we currently are living, and unpacking Beautiful. boxes. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's Tinch me every day, I can't believe I live here kind of life. So um I started I, I was I actually started our business when my baby was fourteen months old and had no intentions of doing that until my husband, you know, encouraged me. And um that, that, and our oldest was 13. So that was really a rough go for me, but overcoming the hurdle of network marketing was probably even bigger, which is why after I broke my foot and it hadn't, you know, been doing anything, um, for, for four months and my girlfriend had introduced me to, Hey, do you know that essential oils could heal this? You know, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. you know, no way. Like, go away. One, you know, I was, I was concerned to just, you know, onto some, the next best thing, you know, not that she ever was like that but, you know, that was my first human thought, right? It wasn't the love and compassion she was actually having for me because she knew I was miserable being being on crutches and in a wheelchair all the time and um, and so when, when it came down to, hey, you're going to have to have surgery, I thought, you know, I have nothing else to lose so I called her and you know the the rest is history. You know it worked, and that started us. You know in that little trickle effect. And two years later, when my friend Melanie had invited me to a a, a class, I um I I decided, hey, you know I, I'm I'm not going. You know I don't want to go. I'm using essential oils already. I don't need to know about another company. And my husband just kept saying, you know, I really feel like you need to go. And I said, you know, an essential oil company is an essential oil company is an essential oil company. And, and he's, he just really kept encouraging me. So the night before we went, um, she sent me a flyer. And in that flyer, a, a woman that we had – Met and became friends with was actually the presenter. We met her in Europe, and I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't seen her since we had our babies two years ago. You know, I was pregnant; she had just had her baby. I need to go and just to see her. That was really the only reason why I went to that class. And um, long story short, they—I I knew I needed to change essential oil companies. You know, once they passed the product around, and I had you know this experience and it really wasn't until i got home and told my husband you know we're switching companies and here's why here's how i feel like this is the gig you know that we need to be using it on our kids at home and this is this is it right you know i haven't we've been using these for 20 years and um and he's like no he goes i think you really need to do this as a business and i just was panicking because i thought i don't i don't have the time to do a business You know, I'm going to have to think of other people. I'm just getting this whole thing down, you know, five kids. It really felt like just shoot me now and put another hole in my head because I was just getting on top of having a brand new baby. And, you know, he was walking and life is chaotic with five kids, you know. So um, I told him, I said, besides that, it's network marketing and network marketers don't go to heaven. (laughs) <laughs> he, <just was> laughing. <laughs> he started laughing and he and I said you know I proudly wear a badge he says for 23 years I have said no to network marketing you know I don't want to be that person that pushes a product you know all the all the negative things you hear about network marketing and so I told him I said I he goes well just why don't you think about it and here's the deal it really at the end of the day The only reason why I was annoyed and I was saying no was because the whole time I was sitting in that class, I knew I needed to do this as a business. I knew there were thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that needed to hear what I was experiencing. They needed to experience that same experience. And it was going to be through me saying yes, that this would come, you know, come to pass for them. And I didn't want my husband being the one to tell me that. So that's the first you know, step in here. That's
2: very astute. Very astute.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna be real here. That was the first thing. And then the second thing was truly, truly, I, I just couldn't imagine being busy, you know, the way that, that this would be and what did that mean for me and how would I juggle my time and you know, where would I put my my loyalties? Where would my loyalties lie? Would my family suffer? What kind of chaos was I going to be inviting into my home and so I just told him. I said, "Okay, I'll take i I'll take thirty days to make my decision, and I'll tell you in thirty days." And so, long story short, on day twenty-nine, we were camping, and the sun was coming through the through the crack of the doorway. And I woke up and I saw that sun and the first thought in my mind was, you dummy, you can totally do network marketing. You were a marketing major before you went, you know, decided to double major and go into education. You, this was your deal. Like everything in the world is network marketing. You know, You had an epiphany. I did. And all of a sudden I was like, okay. And so my husband is like, Oh, it's about, time. let's sign on the dotted line right now. You know, and there, that's the rest of history, you know, uh, August 28th. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. August 28th. What? 2010.
2: 2010. So, okay. You're going on your seventh year. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so who was it that invited you to the presentation?
1: So my friend Melanie invited me to that to that class.
2: Right. Okay. And how do you know Melanie?
1: She and I have been friends for a very very long time and I when I went to that class with her, you know, I I just left and I said I don't know, you know, I now I know what you were you know, what, what this whole thing is all about. Right. I, um, I love you as a friend, but I, I don't know if this is like something I want to do right in, in, in my career. So she had been a friend of mine since we would moved um, to Arizona. So she has been a friend for like 13 years, long time.
2: So what kind of, what kind of gift was it that she had the courage to invite you?
1: Oh my gosh. Huge, huge. It's something I can never repay her for ever.
2: Right yeah
1: yeah same right. same so with, talk, same with my friend jody that that actually introduced me to like the thought of using these in a different way than I'd been using essential oils right right Mhm
2: okay, so let's talk about your launch. Um, how did you launch, and how many people did you personally enroll, say, in your first ninety days? That's kind of a really good launch period. Some people don't do anything in 90 days. Some people start slow. Some people come out of the box fast. How did you launch? And I want to dive a little bit into, because as I recall, you sponsored quite a few people. I want to know how you did
1: it. Okay. So I launched um, extremely crazy, (laughs) to be honest i I knew here here was my whole thing when i when I launched um, it was I wanted to make sure that I was professional at this because my whole thing the whole time was I don't want to be that you know network marketer that would that would be the hustler, you know. I didn't want to be the network marketer that was going to, um, shove something down other people's throats and, and have the NFL, you know, the no friends left behind syndrome. And so when I, when I launched, I just, I honestly got my product on every single person that I could think of. And, and as I am in fact, when I, when i When I launched, I um ranked extremely quickly because of this philosophy, and it was two weeks before our convention, and I remember they invited me to go to convention, and I was just like, "Why? you know it's gonna <laughs> who needs to go to convention you know this that's just a place for people to drive up their fancy cars and you know totally." you know, seeing hallelujah about their product. I, You know, I'm not, if it turns into that, that's not what I'm going, oh, no, 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 this isn't that kind of a company. You know, you don't okay come, well, come. T-
2: Tell us about the launch. So you yeah. launched with the philosophy of not being uh, obnoxious, but yet you also said you got your product in the hands of everyone. So how did you do that without being obnoxious? And who did you approach?
1: I honestly approached the people I felt would be um, really good business partners. And my, and, my, and my reach was, you know, moms, just like me, moms and dads. And yep. cause that's what I had been doing, you know, for 13 years was, was being a mom. And so in, the reason why I brought up convention was it was at convention I wrote this list of 300 people. Right, and at that and that was when I was like, okay, I'm gonna go after all these 300 people, and I'm gonna share with them is these beautiful oils that can change their life at home. Whether they do the business with me or not, you know, I'm gonna do this. So I, I would put, you know, I thought to myself, I've got, I've got a couple choices here. I can put, um, if I want to grow, you know, I can do two contacts a day, two follow-ups a day. But I want to grow really fast. I want to get back home with my kids and I want to be the highest rank possible, um, you know, within the next couple of years. But I want to hit the biggest major rank of diamond within a year. And if I'm going to do that, two contacts a day, two follow-ups a day is not going to be what I need to do. And I, I need to have more classes. I need to get products on more people and, and be having these experiences, you know, three three to tenfold of what I was doing. So, Seven, seven, five five to, to seven people a day, sometimes 10, Monday through Friday is what I do.: Okay, did. stop
2: there. Stop, 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 stop. So five to seven people a day, sometimes 10. So tell me about the routine there. Like you got five kids. One of them uh, had to be about two years old. So when did you do that and how did you do it?
1: I took my kids with me all all the time. I had two at home at the time. Um, And I would get up early in the morning and I I honestly worked about, you know, 20, honestly, I'm going to be really honest, I was crazy, 20 hours a day um, is what I was putting in to be able to really do this. And I know people on the other side of this phone are probably panicking going, oh my gosh, how could you do this? But I was in hyperdrive and super excited about what I was doing, and so I I wanted to be able to set my intention in the morning of what my what my income producing activities of the day would be, right, and what those what those the highest impact priority activities would be, and then what I would do um, to support those during the week and to support my weekly and my monthly goals, basically, right. So that's that's how I did it. I, I okay. had to, so I took those kids with me everywhere I needed to go. And where did and you go? Where did you go, every, Sharon? You
2: get up, you I, take your. Where'd you go?
1: I would go to the park, meet meet up with with other moms at the park. Um, I would go out to lunch. I would hit Starbucks and meet people up at Starbucks. I would.
2: Okay. Um,
1: be on so the phone you go. go Stop
2: at the park. You're at the park. Uh-huh. And here's what pe- here's what people want to know, Sharon. You're at the park, and there's other moms there. And what, do you just start dabbing them with oil, or what do you say to them? How do you get well, in a conversation about your products or your opportunities?
1: So at the park, for me, it was um, – you know, someone would inevitably get hurt, but most of the time, you know, with essential oils, you smell good, <laughs> or you start dropping yep. weight, right, because you're, you're on a new program, right, it's a new weight loss program, for example, and you just changed your lifestyle in, in that manner, and so um, for, for me, it was, I was oh my gosh, you smell so good, what are you wearing, you know, then it would go from there to you know, uh, hey, oh, Joey's got an ear infection. I'm sorry. I've got to go run to the doctor. And then it would be easy for me to say, oh, my gosh, have you ever tried this? This is what we use, you know. And I'm no, I didn't. But let me talk to you when I get back from the doctor. i got to go, you know. And just the, the that following up with that conversation of, you know, oh, my gosh, how was it? Oh, my gosh, he's sick from this medication. It drives me crazy. Every time we get on it, we get sick. And then they have to change medications. And then there's an open door, for me to say, yeah, are you interested in trying this? You know, really, that's how the park kind of thing would go, or scraping, and I would spray something. Well, what is that? Why do you use that? And, you know, that kind okay. of thing.
2: Got it. So I want to go back to the convention and the 300 names. Did you get the 300 names on a list at convention through a workshop where somebody led everybody to create a new names list?
1: <laughs> no. I didn't even know what a names list was. I – I just remember I filled this notebook with everything and I was so surprised that, that these were normal people and that they weren't selling me on being this you know, massive distributor or a dream or anything like that. It was just normal information about science and everything. And that night, that first night I went to bed, I was like, everybody in the world needs to know that, about this. Everybody needs to know the same thing that I know. Who can I tell? And so I just started a list. And the list grew from 50 people to 100. And I thought, I wonder how many more people. And so I just went through my mind, and I just kept putting these names down until it was about 300 people. And I still have that list. And as I would introduce people to the product and the opportunity, I would circle their names. And there were certain people that night that I specifically went back and circled and put stars by. But they were my top priority. And I went to every single one of those people and offered that opportunity, and um, it it so been, stop there. Wonderful. Mm-hmm.
2: What did you say to offer the opportunity when you were to, when you talked to somebody strictly about opportunity? That like that's the lead in. What might it sound like
1: for a very inexperienced network marketer at the time, brand new out of the gate? Uh, super flawed. It was so raw. It was, Hey, you know what? (laughs) I am doing this network marketing thing with, with doTERRA. (laughs) I think you would be the best business partner in the whole entire world. And here's why I think you would be. Um, And, and then I would go into the details of, you know, what I loved about them and just would say, are you interested in this opportunity? Do you want to work with me? And, play hard, and have fun for the next 25, 30, 40 years together. And, um, you know, with the exception of my third, um, my third business partner, that one was just random. All of the rest were very calculated and, and sought after, except for my third one. And she's got one of the biggest teams underneath of our organization, along with my second one. So, yeah, it's been amazing.
2: So, how did you? Who are the second and third people that you were just describing? Tell us those stories. Who who are those people, and how did you know them?
1: So, my first um, my first person that I went to was my friend Jody, who had introduced me to oils. You know, when I had broke my foot, and I just we'd been friends for thirteen years at that point, and I just said, "Listen, you know, I would love." love, love for you to be my business partner in this venture. And we happen to be at the same class together, too. And I remember when she walked in the door, I was like, what are you doing here? I wanted to introduce you to this. <laughs> yeah, and but she, she honestly didn't. <laughs> was Right. No, but, but what happened was she absolutely went home and just was, no, I'm not doing this, right? But when I called yeah. her, I said, you know, I understand you went to this meeting with someone else. I, you know, you do the best thing for you. If you don't walk with me, that's totally fine. I, I get it. I understand now that I know how this little gig works. You got to do what you got to do. And um, she ended up calling me back, and she ended up telling me yes that she would, right? And so she um, she was the only person that went to convention with me that year because my other business partner, Lisa wasn't able to come. She she just had a baby or something, and I don't even remember now. But she she was unable to come at that point, and so it was just me and Jody. And then the third. So tell person, us how
2: you how did you meet Lisa?
1: Oh, Lisa, when we moved home from um, from Europe, we we lived right by each other, and so I met her. She's super intelligent. Um, I loved visiting with her. She was very holistic. She just had a different way about raising her kids. And I just felt like she would be a really good um, fit for this. And she'd been involved with, with Mary Kay, you know, in the past. And I just felt like she'd be a good fit. So I asked so and she said yes.
2: What did you say to her?
1: Lisa, I'd love for you to be my business partner in doTERRA. You want to do this with me?
2: Well, so, so far, I just want to take a break here and let the listening audience catch up. So far, uh, you've used twice my least favorite prospecting line. I'm
1: telling you. I was so young and raw. Yeah, goes to
2: show you folks, (laughs) you don't have to be good at this. You just have to do it. So, uh, here's what I want to tell you about. I don't don't know what it is about uh, our prospecting language, but for some reason, one of our default pitches seems to be, I'd really love it if you would come to this event, or I'd really love it if you would try my product, or I'd really love it if you would join my business, and the irony of that is, that's all about you. That's what you want. Yeah. And where's the conversation what they want? Yeah. And where's the conversation why they might want to be your business partner? But I'm sure yeah. you learned how to do that <laughs> at some point. So uh, I just wanted to say one other thing about your names list of 300 people. That was another brilliant sort of self-epiphany that you created where you got inspired to put that many people on a list. Most people that join network marketing don't ever create a list. If they do create a list, they put 10 or 20 people on it. And, of course, most of those they know, and so then they don't have any more lists. And then they start telling themselves they don't know who to talk to. So uh, those of you that are listening out there, well, live or recorded sometime in the future, if you, I don't know about a Droid, but if you just go to your iPhone, go to your iPhone Contacts, and scroll to the very bottom. You can fast scroll just by pressing on the Z so you get to the very bottom of your contacts. And look how many people you know. I promise you, no matter who you are, there's more than 20 people in your phone. There's more than 50. I just checked mine again, 4,235. I don't think I'm going to run out of prospects. So that's one place to start your list, and of course, another place to start your list is look how many Facebook friends you have, and I realize hardly any of them are your friends, but they want to be, um, so you can start there. So Sharon, let's go back to your uh, your 90 days, so you were on a terror, uh, working crazy hours with five kids. Most people on this call are not going to do that, but that's okay, they're not going to necessarily accomplish what you've accomplished. Um, So how many people did you personally enroll in your first 90 days? Do you remember?
1: No, I don't, but it was a lot. In my first year, it was 45. I do know that. Okay.
2: Well, that's perfect because that fits, I mean, that's dead on with the four-year career. What the four-year career business plan says is, If you'll personally sponsor 35 to 50 people a year for your first two years, just get 100 people or so, maybe 80, personally sponsored in your first two years. You can't do it over four or five or six years. That's too slow. There's not Mm -hmm. enough happening. There's not enough energy. You're not getting enough success begets success. There's too big a gap in between when you sponsor a person. You can't sponsor somebody once a month. It's just not exciting enough. You know, you get one person quit and you go months without somebody that you're running with. If you're sponsoring one person a week, somebody can quit and you rebound the next week by sponsoring somebody else. you got to have that pace at the very least until you get 40 or 50 people on your team, but if you wanna build an empire, I say you gotta be on that pace for the first two years. You don't necessarily have to sponsor that many people, but you wanna be on that pace, and you wanna stay on that pace until your organization runs away from you. And that's when you're in momentum, when your team starts growing away from you, when you get leaders on your team that don't need you. They have their own vision, their own motivation, their own strategy, their own competency, and they're out building. And you may be supporting them. You may have been running hard to try to stay up with them, but they don't need you. you got to personally sponsor at a rapid pace until you get to that point. Some people get there in six months. Some people, you know, might take two years. So you had a fantastic first year. And then you had a, I'll call it something like fascinating, second year. You want to tell people what happened your second year, and what a gift your network marketing business was for you then.
1: So that was actually my third year, and okay. we had just, yeah. But that was, um, we we were we had just started our European team, and they had just launched, and they were doing really really well. And um, in December, I went in for a breast reduction. And the next week when I went in for my checkup, the doctor handed me a lovely little piece of paper that said, you know, sorry to say, but you have breast cancer. And um, it was a sneaky little ghost cancer. And, um, you know, the, the prognosis was, hey, you had got to have a double mastectomy. And I was like, whatever, this is not happening to me. And I am not going down this path. You know, this, this isn't, this isn't. And um, he and his staff were very concerned because I was declining. You know, I said, I just had surgery. I'm not going to make a rash decision like this. You know, I've got, I'm perfect right now. <laughs> I don't want to go in and have nothing. You know, like, let me, let me just breathe into this for a second. and. The following week, um, two days later after that appointment, I was actually put in the hospital with a blood clot in each lung. So my family, you know, had just been really, honestly, Richard, thrown um, just life and death, you know, in a matter of a few days, you know, within 72 hours of that diagnosis, wondering, you know, are you going to be with us at Christmas, you know, and I was in the hospital at Christmas, are you going to be here for New Year's? You know what does this really mean for our family? And so it just really caused us to um, really take stock in what was very valuable. You know, where were our kids? Was our what was our family dynamic situation like? You know, what what how is this going to impact our team? We had built a significant team with, um, um. you know, and we just ranked blue Diamond. You know, we had one more. Um, to go before we hit the top, you know, the top rank in the company, and within three years of doing that, and so the the thought of what was next for us was just so you know, out there, open, you know, really going into it blindly, and so six months later, I opted to um, to to go ahead and have that mastectomy, and I I decided very very clearly with my husband and and really with the direction of even corporate you know I, I just called corporate and I said here's the situation this is this is what we think but what can we do and um you know Emily Wright was so gracious she just was like you know ultimately you need to do what's best for your family and that decision for us was for me to stay home for a year without any travel and the only thing that I would commit to um for anything was to to only do the corporate events that, uh, that you know that I had to but I wouldn't work nights and I wouldn't work weekends and so anything I did to build my business had to happen during the day. And in this process, I, I had to go in for reconstructive surgery every three months. And that those surgeries were hard on me. Um, because they just you know, going in recovering and it just would take me you know, three, three weeks to bounce back just from that surgery so that was life for us for 18 months and um, but I did start traveling again like I said it took me about 14 months to kind of get back up on my feet and then we hit the road you know for 10 months shortly after that and traveled North America so so for us it was learning a new life I you know I couldn't work 20 hours a day anymore I couldn't I had to. My leaders were all so amazing. You know, they are self-sustaining and they are really amazing. And each one of them took their own road and held their own, and 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 kept building their businesses because they'd already had that momentum. And um, and I wasn't, you know, I I just I was so grateful for for each one of them because um. They, they were such good businesswomen, you know, really striving to find their own way in a business that doesn't give you a lot of, you know, especially as women, you know, raising a family and coming out of that when you don't have any corporate experience, a lot of times you just wonder, how do I do this? You know, how do I manage being a mother and, and a businesswoman and how does this all fit in with balance without being chaotic? And many of our team just looked at me and said, I don't want to do it her way. <laughs> I'm not going to be crazy like that. And, and that's okay. There's no resentment there, but you know, that, that they didn't want to do it that way. And that's okay. They were all still, they are still all very successful and um, in building their businesses. So that's so, really stop for was a second. defining. Mm-hmm.
2: Stop for a second. I need some numbers. So mm-hmm. This happened uh go back to your second year. How many people did you personally sponsor your second year? Thirty. Roughly. Thirty?
1: Rough uh yeah. It was no okay, I really great pace. Was thirty. Mm-hmm.
2: So you had seventy five or eighty people by the end of your second year. Do you know how big your team was by the end of your second oh. year? Roughly?
1: No, I don't. I'm so sorry. I, no I just always know that on the pay scale, I was always down, <laughs> I had the smallest team, you know, in my rank for what thing that I, that's the only thing okay. I remember.
2: Okay. And how about your team the third year when you were sick? Did your team grow?
1: Oh, yeah continued to grow mhm and and I enrolled on that third year I enrolled twenty twenty people that year twenty twenty five okay. somewhere in there,
2: right, and so your team continued to grow, so now you are six and a half years into it so let's let's look at your stats um six and a half years into it. How many people on your team total?
1: As of this very moment that we speak, we are over twenty-eight thousand.
2: Twenty-eight thousand people. Mm-hmm. So, folks, if you if you if that like baffles you, just go back to the four-year career example, and look at what happens. I know nobody ever sponsors four who get four. It's just an example, but four who get four is 4, 16, 64, 256, 1,024, 4,096, 16,000 and something. That's how you get 28,000 people. Through the gift that California Vitamins gave us in 1946 when they created the rule that defined network marketing, that in this direct selling model, everybody gets to build a team. And when everyone gets to build a team, you get viral growth like that. Once you get enough leaders with the same vision and commitment. So let's shift gears. Tell us what is the biggest mistake you made in the last six and a half years? Maybe you made it once. Maybe you made it repetitively. Doesn't necessarily have to have cost you money. Maybe it cost you, um, you know, credibility. Maybe it, maybe you think it might have cost you health. Maybe it cost you relationship. Maybe it cost you integrity. What's the biggest mistake you made?
1: The biggest mistake that I made was um, sometimes twisting the rules uh, to meet another leader's um, wishes and, and, and needs. That's honestly it. And it did cost me some integrity. Um, tell, but I tell us really-
2: about that. There could be a great lesson for people in here.
1: Yeah, so just kind of bending the rules, doing things a little bit, you know, like, hey, we're going to go through this loophole and we're going to, you know, sit people out, do, you know, it just wasn't, it was under the radar and it wasn't legal and, um, and, and supporting that and knowing about it and going down that road with it rather than standing firm and saying, this is not going to happen, right? Like, we, we are doing this absolutely above board and making that the precedent. Um, so then that did, you know, lose some the integrity with not just corporate, but with our, you know, with some of my leaders, because I was willing to aid and abate that. Right. And it was during that time at home that I really came clean with all of that. You know, I went to corporate and I said, here's what I've done. Uh, here's who I did it with. And, um, I'm really sorry. And I promise it's never going to happen again. That was mistake number one.
2: Okay, stop there. There's too Mm -hmm. much gold to just move on. Um, (laughs) Rarely, Sharon, rarely do I get a chance to interview somebody when I ask them that question. They said their answer is um, I did some things that were out of integrity. Um, And I think maybe it's only happened twice in 72 calls. And every time people would dive in and tell us what they did, I got more feedback from people about that than anything else anybody's ever talked about on a hero call. Mm -hmm. How inspiring it was that people learned from somebody that made a mistake and they acknowledged it and they did whatever they could do to clean it up and they also got very present to what it cost them. Mm -hmm. So, One question I have about that is what happened that you saw the error of your ways and you decided to clean it up?
1: I think it's because I saw a pattern happening over and over specifically on this one team, you know, that the pattern kept happening. And then I kept getting dragged into that, you know, the aftermath. And it wasn't that they were still doing it. It was just the aftermath of those initial things. Right. And that, that was enough for me to go, okay, this has got to, you know, this has got to stop. And, and it's up to me to clean it up. Right. It's not, you know, those leaders are going to do what they're going to do and they all stand in integrity, you know, at 100% and they've, they don't do those things anymore. Right. Good. At all.
2: So it sounds like the practice of finding people on other people's teams that maybe aren't happy they're on somebody else's team. And so there's a wooing dance to get them mm-hmm. to change over. Is that what yeah. it was? Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's a class one felony.
1: Mhm. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it happens uh an enormous amount in our profession. I I'm uh I'm shocked when I, I I I mean I've talked to some very big leaders that have had it happen to them and uh so here's like a lesson for you folks. Uh if you want to stay clean, if you want car the, if you want the right karma, if you want things to come back to you properly if you want to if you want to manage your reputation such that people always speak highly of you and trust you then don't see individual people as pawns on the way to your success if somebody's been prospected by somebody mm-hmm. else keep them in that line you know i've sponsored people that i've prospected for 5 years Sometimes it's a long process to romance people into the business. Sometimes people just aren't ready. And to have somebody else from the same company, even another company, is not much better, but uh, especially from the same company to come in and say, you're better off on my team, join my team. That's just not, that just doesn't speak well of our profession it doesn't speak well of the company imagine how it lands for the person for the prospect that's being prospected and then of course when it happens to existing distributors uh that's grand larceny and um so if you ever see that happening or you're ever tempted follow Sharon's uh path there and put a stop to it It will change the culture and the heart of your organization. So what's the smartest thing you ever did, Sharon? Mm,
1: The smartest thing I've ever done in six and a half years is absolutely taking people right where they were and not trying to make them into something that they were not, but truly taking them right where they were. That's probably the smartest thing.
2: So speak more on that. That's a rich subject. A lot of people go about this business like they're driving down the highway at eighty, hundred miles an hour, and they, they want to pick up the hitchhikers to go with them, but they just tend to drive by them and open the door at 80 miles an hour and knock them into the weeds <laughs> so you got to slow down if you want to pick people up and you got to meet them where they're at and sometimes they're not there you know sometimes they're mm-hmm. not ready sometimes they don't mm-hmm. see it mm-hmm. so how have you applied that how, what have you learned about that and how have you executed it
1: uh, kept recruiting, one, because you got to let people percolate, you know, and sometimes you got to learn when to walk away completely, like we walked away from Blue Diamond specifically um, because that leader just needed their space to be able to do what they're going to do, what's important for them and their family, right, and to just keep um, – Believing in, in, you know, in that, uh, and going, and, and then, and then, pushing everything and all that energy into that, when it was just making that leader miserable, right? It was, it was not worth it for, for her or the organization. You know, it, it tends to become poison at that point. And um, so we sit here, you know, as diamonds now, right now, as we're rebuilding blue and and presidential simultaneously. And um, I, you know, I just found that when you take somebody right where they're at, if they want to just love the product, let them love the product, let them love the product for 40 years, you know, it's it's okay, if someone believing it's just like, you know, when you're dating, and if you, if you like, oh, I see the goodness in them who they could be and what they want to be, you know, I'm sure they want to be this because I can see it in them. You know, if they're not if they're not that person, they're not that person. You know, if they're not a good fit, they're not a good fit. But the fact of the matter is if you just love them right where they're at and allow them the space and the growth and offer the opportunities for further development to where they can enhance their leadership skills, I have found that that is where they thrive. That is where they find. And and they have more confidence in that because they're they're, those learns are on their own and they're not being firehosed. They're not being pushed into something or coaxed into something out of obligation to you for your rank rather right. it's all about them, right?
2: I, I'd really love it if you would rank advance so that I can rank advance.
1: <laughs> exactly. But it's so something that happens all the time, right?
2: Yeah. Well, we have this, um i mean it especially gets fired up when we get fired up but even without it as human beings we tend to have this arrogant attitude we wouldn't call it arrogance but we tend to want to tell people what they should do we tend to want to tell other people what their politics ought to be how they ought to raise their kids um you know, what they ought to eat, how they ought to look, how they ought to exercise. We just love being like right in other people's business, applying our values Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. You know, so we, and especially in network marketing, I mean, the, the Neanderthals in network marketing just love to tell people what kind of car they should drive and what kind of house they should live in and how many vacations they should take. And, you know, if you're not on track to make $100,000 a month, then, you know, you're just not ambitious. And, oh, you have a job? Oh, what you know, what a loser you are that you have a job. J-O-B, just overbroke. And I wonder if those people ever stop to think, what if everybody quit their jobs and joined network marketing?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. I want somebody to mow my lawn. I want somebody to fix my car. I want somebody uh you know, we have a daughter at, you know, uh in college. I want somebody to be her professors.
1: Mm-hmm. I want
2: somebody to fly the airplane.
1: <laughs> right.
2: I mean, it's just insanity for us to be telling people what they should do, what instead of telling them what they should do, all we need to do is ask them, what do they want to do and then just listen. Mm-hmm. Just listen and that doesn't mean we can't, you know, what if, people? Well, what if you could do this, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What if you could retire from your job and work from home? But somebody might say, I don't want to do that. I like my job. So you don't ever want to assume. that's a. Those are two huge lessons that I trust everybody is paying close attention to so the last thing i want to ask you to share with these people um most of the people i'm going to get shared on this call are struggling i mean no most networkers do they they want to get a team going they want to make a thousand or two thousand bucks a month or they want to break out of that two grand a month and go to ten grand a month and Generally, what is missing for them is the conversation they have with themselves on a minute-by-minute basis Mm -hmm. about who they are and what they're capable of and how they're going to pull it off. And I know you've done a lot of personal development work. We didn't delve into that on this call. But if you had a couple of minutes to talk to all the people on this call, if you were, for example, the last – inspirational person that they were going to hear from ever upon which they had to go build their empire your words were the last they were ever going to hear what would you tell them
1: the things you think plus the things you do create your reality number one because it is that daily thought process that we think about right that really feeds what we do so it's easy to procrastinate it's easy to get distracted when you're either scared out of your mind about the growth you could have or the people you should talk to right knowing what should happen and what you do are two different things because of the things you think about right and if we're making a list of I don't do this I can't do this and I don't want to do this and here's you know, here's what scares me, you know, and you, that's what you're thinking, and you're not good enough, and you're not smart enough, and you can't, you're not a good speaker or whatever, right? Then that, that impacts what we do, and then that is our reality. And if you, you know, if you want a, a good-sized income, you know, and you do a little bit, right, you know, and you want to earn a little bit of money, and you know, that, that's a hobby, right? And if you're okay with the money that, you know, with, with a few, you know, whatever, $1,000 and you're okay, yeah, 5000 meets my needs. And you're willing to stop right there. You know, that's a small business. But to be a professional and to really take this into a true CEO and a true empire, you know, then that's big money, right? And that is building a big business. But it all happens with the things you're thinking about yourself and, and, and the people you're working with, too, in particular, right? If you're saying, well, they don't do this and they don't that and they should, they should, they should. You know, we should people all the time, right? Yep. So I've just found that when, when we can step back and relax and slow down ourselves and, and let people shine in their own way at their own pace, um, that's going to be where where we stand, right but if if you 're struggling and you 're on this call right now, uh, you know ask yourself what your daily habits are what Where are your fears lying? and people that say, well i don 't fear anything and I don 't get angry about anything. I would actually challenge that. You know where is it that you're not grounded and balanced in in that thought process because we 're all afraid. And even tonight, as we were getting ready for this call, the closer and closer it would get, I'd be like, hey, is my phone working? You know, am I going to, am I going to, is my phone going to work? It, you know, am I going to keep a good connection? You know, <laughs> am I going to barf all over myself? So, I mean, like, I was getting very nervous. And I, I thought, I, what am I nervous about? Why am I nervous? I don't have anything to hide. And it was such an honor to be asked, just relax and speak your truth. Right? I had to go through that same process, and it's just like moving to a new area. This is all brand new territory. We know no one out here, no one. This is brand new for us. So it's starting from scratch and getting connected and learning about new people and new cultural ideas, right? And we're going back to the, the basics again. We've been doing the basics. And that is, that's the basis. Do the basics. And if you're doing five calls a day and five interactions a day and it's not working for you, find out what in that five isn't working. What, what are you saying right? Or what are you not thinking right? If you're not thinking you're worth $10,000 a month or 20 or 100, you know, where is that vision and where does it stop for you and where does that come from? So that's, 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 That's what I would say. Yeah.
2: So um, to wrap this up, Sharon, do you have a question for me? Sometimes I turn the tables on people. (laughs) They're never prepared uh, because they don't listen to enough hero calls and say you're prepared. Do you have a final question for me? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Definitely. Um, if you could go back and think that ice storm one more time, you know, that's a defining moment in your career, that ice storm that took you to your, big, your biggest leader, right? Would you do it yep. all over the same way again? Or would you, would you change anything? And if you would, what would you change?
2: Yeah, what a great question. Um, I can answer that quickly. So um, the, the quick answer is no, I wouldn't change anything. And and that might sound, if, I mean, if you tracked my entire life, both personally and professionally, you might say, well, how could you say you wouldn't change anything? My gosh, you, you, you have failed so many different ways in so many different times and so much struggle and so much reversal of fortune and um it would seem crazy to say that well why wouldn't you learn from those mistakes and and uh, avoid them a second time around and the answer is simply because i am who i am not because of my successes and not because of my mistakes but because I have survived and sometimes prospered through my failures and my struggles. So, and I think that's the brilliance of the human spirit is, you know, we are capable of such extraordinary courage and creativity and resiliency Um I mean just miraculous kind of stuff and it and it is in in that struggle that we create breakthroughs and we create stories and we create distinctions and we create conviction that defines us mm-hmm. and so when I'm coaching and teaching people <clears throat> the gift that I have for them is those struggles. It's not my successes. I'm, you know, coaching somebody and they want to do this and they want to do that. And I go, Oh, well, I've done that 10 times. That was easy. I mean, Uh how's that, how's that a contribution? It's not, Uh uh, it is, it's the struggles. And so, you know, not to say, you know, that what we're, By answering that that way, what we're suggesting to people is that they stay struggling. No, that's Uh -uh. not the gift. Failure is not the gift. Uh -uh. It's creating and encouraging your way out of the struggle. It's, Uh It's fighting through the struggle. It's dancing with the struggle. It's embracing the struggle and in perhaps sort of a Tai Chi way, you know, taking the momentum and the effort of the struggle and using it to lay the struggle on the ground and move on. And now you have this story about how you overcame it. It defines us. Uh And so in that way, you know, I, I, I wouldn't do anything different. And I would just tell all of you, whatever your struggle is, That's going to be such a powerful part of your story, such a powerful part of your training. Uh, Embrace it, not in a way that has you stay there, but Uh embrace it and, and lay it on the ground and move on. And, you know, you can all do that. That's what I would say.
1: And I love your... Your, I love your comment that you make. I've heard it a couple of times. Fortune favors those who are prepared. And, and that is so true, isn't it? You know, because I really truly feel that we do go through life thinking that that life can choose for us, you know, but to be successful, we really cannot allow life to dictate our path. We have to kind of dictate our own. And that comes through that preparation, right?
2: Yeah. Yep. And, you know, it People think, well, I have this vision. Why doesn't it just manifest effortlessly and beautifully? And, and the, the simple reason for that is because we live in a world where everybody has a vision. Whether they've read the book on it and practice it as an art or not, everybody has a vision. Every prospect you run into has a vision. And I can promise you most of them, doesn't, they don't support your vision. <laughs> their vision
1: mm-hmm.
2: is their own vision. And even everybody Mm -hmm. on your team has their own vision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes nature has its own vision, if you will. And we just don't get to go through life effortlessly creating whatever we want. There is a price to enjoy for it. And the people that that create abundance and live a rich life are the ones that learn how to dance with, with struggle and failure and... And make it part of their story, and move on and learn from it. It's like learning to ride a bike the The rich part of riding a bike is that little point in learning the distinction balance where you actually fall down, and nobody learns how to ride a bike without falling down. Mm-hmm. and you know so you you get back up and you fall down again, and you get back up and you fall down again, and you start to pay attention like you speaking to the – if you're talking to five people a day and it's not working, we'll start to pay attention to that little point when you're leaning over on the bicycle and you lose your balance. That There's a little micro point there mm-hmm. where you need to do something different. And mm-hmm. everybody learns how to walk, and everybody learns how to ride a bike, and everybody learns how to do anything else, learns to pay attention to those little moments where they get the distinction of what it is they're trying to learn how to do, and they master it. And you can't do that reading about it. You can't do it thinking about it. You, you, you only do it by doing it. So you know how do you learn how to invite people? Go invite two or three or four people a day. My gosh, if you just invited one person a day for 90 days, you'd be in the top 1% of everybody in your company in terms of invitations, Mm-hmm. It's not hard to rise to excellence in network marketing. Ninety-nine percent of the people in network marketing do very little. I mean, this is not this is network marketing is not the 80/20 rule. It's the 99/1 rule, mm-hmm. and it's not hard to be a one percenter. Just work. You know, grab your baby and go hit the park. Sharon, you're a, absolute joy. We're over time. So I'm going to wrap this up. What a great story. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to talk to you again in two or three years. I think you're going to have a great resurgence story. Like this is how I took two steps back to take 10 steps forward. Uh I would love to do that interview in a few years.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes podcast. For more invaluable training tools such as audios, videos, and of course his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career and Mach 2 With Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.